Magnus Haystack joins us as usual on a Wednesday. Magnus, it's our last program of the year and quite appropriate, I guess, to have a look back at some of the work that you've been doing, considering a comparison between what would have happened if you put your money into Old Mutual Investors Fund, one of the biggest unit trusts here in South Africa, and the U.S. Opportunities Fund that is run by Franklin Templeton um, and quite well, quite popular in South Africa as well, given Franklin Templeton's uh, investments here many years ago. And you've, you've gone back 10 years, which is interesting. But what were the conclusions? Well, if you go back, the context, of course, uh, Alec, good afternoon or good morning, is that, you know, 2010, 2011, something happened in the big, uh, the big race offshore versus onshore. Up to that point, for many years, eight years in fact, South Africa was a superb place to be. The commodity cycle was running, platinum, gold, you name it, diamonds, when we still had a diamond mine. They were really generating phenomenal profits. We had the World Cup that boosted the construction stocks. But 2010, 2011, if you, someone who's been watching the market, the market started diverging. Our market started diverging very badly downwards. And, 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 and I started writing about this and saying, guys, we need to look at other uh, alternatives to build personal wealth. And, of course, you ran up against a lot of competition and, and resistance from the vested interest. But if I can use the analogy of a horse race, and I know you know horse racing very well, where in horse racing you can not place bets after the bell is gone and the horses are out of the stalls and often they're running. But in the investment market, you can. You have the liberty of changing horses, changing jockeys, changing whatever. You can get out of one horse and back another horse based on what's happening in the market. And that's been fantastic if you made some switches along the line. So 10 years down the line, and so 10 years is a long term, it's, it's, it's a full cycle. The difference in RAND returns today is so stark and so vast we have to talk about it. It's starting to affect people's investment behavior and also their purchasing behavior in the sense that they started saving for something 10 years ago, thinking they'll have built up enough capital for a car or a house, and they find that they have not built up that sufficient capital. And in the chart I sent you, I did a study, 100,000 rand 10 years ago bought you roughly... Uh, and, and uh, a Santa Fe Hyundai brand new motor car, you needed to put a bit of money in. That car today, the launch price is a million rand. Uh, the new Sun, uh, the new Hyundai Palisade that's just come out. So if you'd put your money into the old mutual fund 10 years ago with the intention of buying a new car 10 years later, you can only buy a quarter Whoa. of that car. Only a quarter. Your mutual has only gone up to 225,000 Rand over a 10-year period, barely beating inflation over 10 years and not beating inflation over five years and even three years. As you switch horses, as I use the analogy, and put some money offshore, 100,000 into the Franklin Templeton Fund, you can buy that new car for cash today. You had 985,000 Rand in your in your investment account, which shows you that had you stuck with a dollar-based investment, you managed to protect your dollar-based expenses in South Africa. Now, I've been beating that drum as far as I can remember. 
there's a lot of stuff that is priced in dollars. One is cars, medical equipment, medical treatment, petrol, oil. And if you're going to be saving in a currency that does not protect you, you're going to get poor. And that is what is happening with middle class today. They can only buy a smaller car or half the car or a quarter of the car. You can only buy half the house you could have bought 10 years or five years ago. And and, and it's something that, you know, we really, I, I really try to get um, uh, uh, newspapers and media outlets to publish these. They're just not interested. It's not in their interest because their biggest advertisers are the old mutuals of the world, are the Sunlums, and they just keep on telling the uh, investors, just hang on. They don't give them all the facts. Business gives people the facts and they can make up their own minds. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. But there, it's, it's been astounding how poorly the local markets have done. And if we can draw the line right through to Regulation 28, this is exactly what's happening with pension funds. The purchasing power of pension funds over the last 10 years has not grown by much, not more than 1% or 2%. So people are actually getting back their money that they've put in, left it there, maybe with a percent or two of growth up to uh, 10 years later. And I'm saying that's not good enough. You know, really they have to push up the regulation 28 limitation of 30% to 40, maybe 50. Otherwise, investors should be made aware of your pension fund is not going to provide for you. Here are the facts of the last 10 years. It's not high fees. It's not bad investment decisions by your advisors. It's the very, very slow growth being generated by the South African economy, which trundles down into the slow growth of the JSE, which, by the way, is is emptying, if I can use the word. Companies are delisting at a rapid pace, 300 in the last five years, with more to come. So your opportunity set on the JSE is disappearing. But the narrative is bait fuss. Don't panic. It will come right. And the more I analyze and the more I read and do my own critical thinking, I'm saying it's not going to happen, Alec. Uh, You're going to be disappointed by your investment returns in retirement funds. And you need to really build some nest egg, which is not correlated to the local market and, of course, the local currency. This is really interesting stuff. So the rational place to start, though, is this Regulation 28, which stops South Africans from investing more than 30% of their retirement funding offshore. But just to go back a little bit, why did you pick Old Mutual Investors and the Franklin Templeton Opportunities Fund as a comparison? Well, the Old Mutual Investors Fund is the largest equity-only, SA equity-only fund in Old Mutual Stable. And Old Mutual is probably the largest advertiser in South Africa. It advertises in, on all platforms, all radio stations. And they, they, the more they underperform, the more they advertise. So they're trying to conceal the bad performance with, with more advertising. And unfortunately, we know advertising does work. People are, are, are quite relaxed and they just hear this fantastic advertising and they don't apply their own critical thinking. Franklin Templeton is a fund that was a company. I've been dealing with them for 25 years. And these funds have not been chosen in hindsight. It's on record that we started telling our clients in 2010, 2011, get into Templeton. And I've not even chosen one of their high-flying funds. Their, their, tech, 
The technology fund has done even better. The biotechnology fund is even better. I mean, if you look at the returns of the Invesco technology funds that you use in your portfolio, the returns have been better than the funds that I've used. This is just a broad-based U.S. opportunities fund. It's focused in the U.S. market. So I'm not picking an eyesight. These funds have been used for 10 years in our portfolios, and the outcomes are not marginally different. They are vastly different. I mean, in 10 years, which is not a long time in investment markets, to have outperformed by a factor of four, it's just under, it's just astounding. It's not it's not 1% or 2%. It is an immense difference. And it's impoverishing people who are not prepared to make that leap uh, and, and get some offshore exposure. But coming back to Regulation 28, yeah, you have an, uh, a government regulation telling, in effect, telling investors how to invest their money. This is the formula. You can only invest on, on this basis during the time of your life from 20 to 65 that you are that you should be taking risks and building up capital you are not allowed to take risks with your pension because you're stupid you don't know how to handle your money but the irony is when you cash out your pension one day at 60 or 65 and you take out your pension you can put it 100% into offshore funds 100% into gold so where does that how does that work? It's not logical to me. But the bottom line is the average person in a South African pension fund has become incredibly poor on a relative basis over the last 10 years. And, of course, that makes me the most popular commentator out there because that's not the message that the industry wants to get out. It's not in their interest, but, you know, I don't care. Um, Magnus, I'm very interested to actually take it one step further into the state funds. Uh, The state allows its employees to have a defined benefit. In other words, they don't really care what the performance is going to be uh, in those pension funds. They are going to get 2% of salary, say, uh, for the number of years that they've worked. Are they also subjected to Regulation 28, because I'm, I'm seeing here, if there's a really bad return or bad performance from the state pension funds, they don't have the ability to say, well, the market didn't do that well, as happens in the private sector, so you're not going to get a great pension. They stuck in, they locked in, and if they're underperforming as well, we as taxpayers are going to end up footing that bill. Yes, 100%. I mean, they've got that wonderful golden formula um, I don't care what the markets do. I will be paid my pension in terms of the formula and any shortfall will be paid by taxpayers. So that's why there are pressure groups so that the government pension is more, is, is more transparent about the returns, what they're doing with money, because it's one of these things, if you can kick this down the road for many, many years before one day you, you realize that that can is empty and you have to put money back into it. So that's another advantage. The government pension funds or the members don't care. They don't, they don't even read their statements. They don't have to. It's the people in the private pension funds that should be taking a far greater interest as to what's happening. And as I mentioned to you in a, in a program of three years ago, we often find people coming into our practice all around the country saying, guys, my pension fund hasn't, hasn't made any progress for the last 10 years. And I was always told that the last 10 years are the most fantastic period to achieve this fantastic pot of money. 
now I can retire. And I can tell you, when we double-check those numbers, some of them are 100% spot on. Not even in nominal terms have they not shown any growth, but even in real terms, they've just absolutely made no money in 10 years. They're basically getting out what they put in without any growth. Now, And, and they say, and there have been some court cases at the um, tribunal. I read about it yesterday where someone took Liberty Life to court about the big difference in the projected numbers 10 years ago and what eventually was paid out to him. And he, he lost his case, but there are more and more people starting to say, hey, hang on here, you kind of indicated growth at 10, 15, 16%, and I'm ending up with four. How can you guys get it so wrong? And it, we're seeing the cumulative effect of this lack of growth for the last 10 years. And I can only take it straight down to Regulation 30, uh, 28 and, and then the limitation of 30% only. 